10, 9, 8, everybody. 10, 9, 8. We have Sixers basketball now. 1 and 0, baby. 1 and 0. Welcome to Listen another episode. Listen to that beautiful music. What's up? <laughs> Listen to that beautiful music. Yeah, man. The 76ers theme song. Anyway, guys, welcome to another episode of the Jetro podcast. Right now, I'm physically the only one in studio. Uh, we got uh, our other host, Connor Thomas, on the line. What's up, Connor? Yo, how we doing? Excellent, man. We also have B Ford on the line. Full What's name? Huh? Connor Thomas. <laughs> yeah. My government name's out there, Nat. They can find me now. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they probably have cameras hidden in the automatic toilets anyway, so I'm, I'm not too worried. I am. All right. Wait, you are? Yeah, you worried about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we got B Ford on the, uh, the other line. What's up, man? Hey, uh, I'm driving home right now. Sorry about that. Oh, it's it's all good, man. As long as you called into the show, that's all I really care about. So, anyway, yeah, ladies. I know. Last two times, the first one wasn't my fault. Second one, definitely my fault. I just fell asleep waiting to call. It's okay. We can we can forgive you for that. No harm, no foul, right? Yeah, just don't fall asleep with the wheel, all right, buddy? Yeah, I'll try. Oh, man. Well, we got 76ers basketball again last night. Connor, you were at the game last night. I did. I went to the game. I had a bit you of an interesting game experience. Yeah, I go to every silly home opener. We've talked about this. Come on. i got to be in the building. I called out of work last minute at the bar so I could make it over there. Absolutely screwed over a couple people there, but, hey, that's life. Um, <laughs> and I bought a ticket, like, on my way back from uh, the studio for 97.5. So I'm in, like, kind of rush hour traffic, early rush hour traffic, almost getting, like, run into by everybody while I'm on my phone trying to navigate through StubHub to buy a ticket. I got it late. I got a pretty good price on it, so I was happy with that. I show up. I get to my seat. It was, like, an hour before tip-off. I got there at, like, 6.30. Game tips at 7.30. There's, I'm, like, one seat. So there's a seat, and then there's my seat, uh, like, coming from the aisle. So I was, like, one seat off the aisle. The aisle seat cup holder has a Corona in it that's, like, totally full. The next cup holder, which was supposed to be my cup holder, has a Corona in it. And then the next one, which would have been to the left of my seat, has like a souvenir drink cup in it. They're giving away T-shirts. My T-shirt was missing. Like literally every other seat in the arena has got wow. a T-shirt on it. I have no T-shirt. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I figured, uh, like when I sat down, I was like, okay, someone else thought they had our seat. They're going to come back eventually because there were like two full beers there. So I was like, they're going to come back for the beers. And then we'll talk to her and we'll work to follow up. So a girl shows up with her boyfriend, I guess. And she's like, yeah, what are you doing? And I was like, um, I have this seat. I have a row eight, seat 15. And she shows me her phone. And she's got the same exact ticket, which huh, I've never seen before. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I don't know what to do either. And she was like, you can just scoot over and sit in 14 if you want. And I was like, uh, yeah, that'll work for all of like two seconds. But sure, I'm lazy. So I sat in 14. <laughs> Those people showed up like two minutes later, and they're like, hey, we have this seat. And I was like, yeah, but I have her seat, and she has my seat. So I go, and I talk to, like, the, the guest services people. Here's a fun thing to do next time you go to a Philly sporting event at the Wells Fargo Center. Okay. Your Sixers game. I walked up to them. I said, hey, this is my seat. Showed on my ticket. There's someone else with the same exact ticket. What should I do? And the lady just looks at the ticket. She goes, does that other person have multiple tickets? And I said, yeah, she bought two, she said. And she's like, and you just have this one? I was like, yeah. Without any further questioning, she said, okay, uh, we're just going to give you another seat. I was like, all right. So I got moved down to a lower level because I had a duplicate ticket. But in theory, I could have just told her there was someone else in my seat, and I would have just gotten upgraded for free. So yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, something to think about if you ever want to try your luck. Worst case, like, the cop-out is if you go back and they, like, actually check your seat. You'll be like, oh, I guess the person left. I'll just sit here, and you'll be fine. But, um, yeah, so got some nice upgraded seats. Got a closer view to watch the Sixers dismantle the Boston Celtics last night. That's so fucking dope, do, man. Now that I'm thinking about it, if you, what? so you go, you get your ticket, and then you go and say, somebody's in my seat then you can go and you, like, you know, I don't know, leave a corona or something, make them think yeah. that somebody's there in your seat. So then they'll come by if they do check. They're yeah. like, oh, somebody's here. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Like, either way, like, uh, that seems like a pretty good way to uh, try and upgrade 
save yourself some money on some better seats. Any seat in the house last night, though, was a great seat. I mean, Brent, did you watch the game at all? <laughs> no, sir. Nathaniel? I watched it. What did you think? Well, I thought it was fucking awesome how all Horford rang the bell. Yeah, you like that? Dude, like, him ringing the bell, uh, his first game against his old team, that was that was pretty dope right there. Um, Unpopular I, opinion, I'm not a big fan of that. Really? I feel like that... I feel like that's almost validating the Celtics a little bit. Really? Like, yeah, you're taking – so active players don't ring the bell. I don't think the only time a player on the actual roster has rang the bell before, uh, if I'm correct, Joel Embiid rang it against Miami last you – know, two years ago in the playoffs. And that was when he had that mask on from the concussion. Well, he had – his face was still broken because of Markel Fultz's shoulder. Yeah. Which is a whole other story, but – I, they don't normally have active players ring it. For me, I feel like you're going out of your way, despite the Boston Celtics, who, while they are a rival, are clearly not going to be a competitive team compared to the Sixers this year. But I get why they did it. It was a cool moment. I'm not saying like I'm totally, totally against it, like it never should have happened. But I feel like it was kind of an unnecessary dig at Boston when you could just go out and smoke them on the floor. That being said, I understand why they did it, and I get why a lot of people liked it. I just don't know if I would have picked Horford for, for that reason, just because I feel like I'm giving the Celtics some ammunition, you know? Yeah, I see your point on that. Uh, I still see it more so as a giant middle finger to the Celtics as opposed to anything else, and uh, we're going to get into more of this news later, but imagine what would have happened if the Phillies would have hired Joe Girardi like a day or two beforehand and they had him ring the bell that night, how awesome would that have been? Yeah, that would have been absolutely something, man. Um, like how people wanted Bryce Harper to ring the bell for the playoff game when he was first signed and everything. He did eventually get here to ring the bell for one of the games last year. That would have been great. Uh, and we'll get into some Joe Girardi talk here in a little bit as the Phillies finally get their man. Let's go over some stuff we saw during the game a little bit, though, because there is a little bit to unpack getting the first look at the team that's supposed to be uh, the championship favorite out of the East in a lot of people's minds and one of the championship favorites in the entire NBA. Now, what were your big takeaways? So my big takeaways, you want my positives first or my negatives? Start with a negative. I want to hear what you possibly took away negatively from that game. So here's what I took negatively. I did not, I'm not putting this in the in the negative category. Well, I kind of am because I kind of have to point it out, but ultimately I see it as a positive. So they were three from 24 outside of the paint, but despite that, they were still able to win by double digits. So I can't even harp on them for missing that many shots outside the paint when defensively they just smoked the Celtics. Was it three for 24 from outside the paint or three for 24 from three? I think it was from outside the paint. The first half, the first half it was three from 24. Okay. You know what? It might have been the whole game, but I think it was from the outside of the paint as a whole. Okay. I mean, I, outside the paint, I'd assume they probably took more than 24 shots outside the paint. Well, if points. So, those. field goal wise, they had, they made 37 for 85. So, that's 70 some points right there. And then, but, points in the paint, yeah. points in the paint were 58. Gotcha. So, that means, yeah, they took, there's no way they took 60 some shots from inside the paint. Maybe you're right. Maybe that was from three. Uh, they did hit seven for 29, so they put up 21 points that way. Get this, 26 points from the free throw line. That's huge. So something you're looking at, and I'll let you get through the rest of your, your takeaways here in a second, but the one thing you notice immediately with the Sixers, the two things they're going to stand by. Defense, they're so big that you are not going to be able to take the ball to the hoop. I don't care. Kevin Walker is a great finisher. He's a great shot creator. He's quick as anything. He's, he's not premier. Like, he's not an elite-level talent at getting to the rim. He does like to create space and score a little bit better that way. And basically, the Sixers, on the defensive end, you're not going to be able to take anything to the rack against them. They're shut down interior. They're too fast on the perimeter to let anyone buy them. And if they do get by, you've got two monsters in Al Horford and Joel Embiid down there. Offensively, they're too big for you to stop, so they're going to be on the line all night long, every single night. It's going to be incredible to watch these guys take it to the rack, get fouled, 
if they make their free throws, they're going to be near unbeatable. Agreed with you on that. And Ben Simmons didn't make a three last night, but he played like an all-star. He was the team leader in points. The only other... nine and eight. Hmm? Great that one. Oh, he was terrific, man. 35 minutes played, eight rebounds, nine assists, 24 points total. I mean, the dude was the beast. He played like the all-star we expect him to be, despite not uh, attempting or making any three-pointers last night. So uh, who's to say what the hell is going to happen when he's going to make those threes, the type of all-star he's going to be. Players are going to be afraid to take him on. I mean, I'd already be afraid to take him on. You saw that one play where so it's a three-point shot from the Celtics. Joe gets the boards and gives the ball to Ben at our free throw line, our foul line. And he basically takes it the length of the floor in about three seconds. Dude, it's LeBron-esque. It's crazy. And he now he's going to be runaway train. He's just going to be at a whole new level right there. Yeah, I, I mean, that's stuff he's been doing since his rookie year. What takes him to a whole new level is if, and he didn't have to do it last night to generate those 24 points because he got to the rack easily and he finished well in transition. But when he develops that shot to space the floor a little bit more, when he's more willing to take that shot, dude becomes unguardable. Absolutely unguardable. And he already nearly is because of the size-speed combo with him. He looked great last night. These were the only negative points I had that were actually negative. Like the first half, I thought the offense could have produced a little bit more. Uh, There were 15 turnovers that the Sixers made compared to the Celtics' 10, but it's game one, so they easily have time to turn this around. Yeah, absolutely. No no doubt they'll be able to turn that around. Um, Turnovers are just, a lot of them were miscommunication not knowing where other guys are going to be. And that comes with the fact that you're adding two new starters and I think a total of, what, like eight or nine new roster players. So these guys have got to figure out how to play with each other. But there's so much raw talent that even with the growing pains, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matisse Thibel looked really strong. JoJo defensively looked really st- strong as well. That huge block he made to start the third quarter. I mean, this is going to be a very strong and dominant second-half team throughout the regular season because they're just able to exhaust the opponent. They're not going to have enough time to recover in the locker room at halftime. So where um, I was concerned in the first half, once that second half started, every worry and concern I had went by the wayside. Get this, guys. 62 rebounds that the Sixers made last night. 62. Yeah, I was just about to bring that one up. 62 to, I believe, Boston at what, 41? 41. Boston had 10 offensive rebounds, but the Sixers only had 12. So that means 50 rebounds. Offensive is tough to come by. Uh, That's difficult, especially when you don't shoot from distance. That's going to be a little bit tougher because they're going to have the paint collapse. It's going to be harder to get boards on the offensive end. But out-rebounding a team, especially a team like the Boston Celtics. On the defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. Out-rebounding them by 21 is... 50 defensive rebounds. That is crazy unlevel. I mean, my offensive concerns were uh, were made apparent already, but the defense is more than making up for that. This defense is going to win games for them all season long. What concerns do you have with this defense? For me, it's none right now. Concerns with the defense? Yeah, like what? <laughs> I don't have any, do you? No, absolutely not. How could you? You've got guys out there. So let's go down, like, just even the top – Six or seven guys on the roster right now. You got Josh Richardson, who is an absolute dog defensively. That dude is going to hound people year-round. He shut down Kemba Walker with a little bit of help from another guy we'll talk about in a second. Josh Richardson, the effort defense is unbelievable. He's scrappy. You need that type of guy. You need the guy who's going to piss off opposing guards. His perimeter defense is great, which is what this team is lacking. Um, I started with him because he's a small. So let's start with our actual one. Ben Simmons. The only point guard in the league who's going to be able to guard one to five. The only one. I mean, that happens once every maybe like 30 years in the NBA. And we've got that guy that's a point guard who's going to be able to guard one, two, three, four, five. Then you go to Tobias Harris, who's always been solid defensively. He's a great combo of speed and a little bit of size. He's going to be able to shut people down, and he's a great swing man who could go out and guard a two. But he's also big enough to bang around inside if he's got to drop to a four. Horford. That's enough to go out and get a four or get a three. But he's also big enough 
that he can defend a five. I mean, hell, he shut down Joel Embiid, who's one of the premier scorers from the big man spot in the league. And then you got the big man himself, Joe, who we already know what he is defensively. He's a defensive player of the year candidate before the season even starts because he's just one of the premier rim protectors. Uh, then you go to the bench and you got guys coming off for, uh, like Tybal, who, oh my God, Matisse Tybal is going to be my favorite sixer this year. He's no a doubt. fucking beast, man. Now he's contagious. What draft? What draft number was he? Like he was our first round draft pick, but overall in the uh, the NBA draft this year, what number was he? Oh man, we got him low. He wasn't a lottery pick. We didn't have a lottery this year, and we, I mean, turns I can't say turn garbage into gold, which is what I was going to say because he was the best metric defensive player coming out of college basketball since they kept advanced defensive stats. Uh, he was a four year guy coming out of University of Washington. No, I mean, he was just a great pickup and a great spot for the Sixers, and he's going to pay off hugely for this team coming off the bench. Yeah, I love that kid, man. Uh, just what this team is able to do defensively. I'm not fully convinced yet that uh, they can win the championship with defense alone. I think they need a guy or another guy who can uh, help them out get threes on the board, but... Elton Brand is a smart enough GM where he can do that, where he can bring people in. He's smart enough to do it and experienced enough to do it. So Elton Brand, like he's in win now mode. Yeah, he was in win now mode last year. You saw that with the Jimmy Butler move to move on from Cove and Sarge and uh, bring Jimmy in to try and win something. But for sure, he's done an incredible job of putting this team in a spot where they're going to contend, no doubt. Now, Something to keep in mind is that we can't jump the gun. We haven't seen Milwaukee play yet, who's the biggest threat to us coming out of the East, obviously. They lost to the Raptors last year, but really they lost to Kawhi, and everybody lost to Kawhi. Uh, I still think they're a very, very, very dangerous team. Some people may be underestimating them just because of the star power we have, but we've got to wait and see. Before we anoint the Sixers the definite champions of the East, we have to see what Giannis looks like. Um, and see how he progresses. If he gets even better, it could be a big problem. But right now, I don't know how you don't put the Sixers as a top four or five team in the NBA and a surefire contender to come out of the East and go to the NBA Finals. And before I forget, one more takeaway from last night. After JoJo took that elbow to the face, he was like a rabid dog, man. That guy was on fucking fire afterwards shutting down everything boston had yeah that certainly woke him up he was not happy about that one here's the thing with joe and with ben and with all these guys and it's where brett brown is going to catch a lot of criticism from the average fan something we need to keep in mind one of those things just throughout the season that's got to be in the back of your head in nba basketball the regular season does not matter exactly feeding matters but basketball is basically played on paper at this point now this season could be different because of the distribution of stars there aren't really super teams out there there's a lot of great duos and maybe like 10 to 12 teams in the nba have them but the good teams are going to be good the bad teams are going to be bad there aren't as many surprises in the nba if any so rest these guys when you get a chance Joe is laying out and diving into the scores table game one, which I'm not ever going to take away from a player being aggressive. Love that. But you can't have elbows to the face and diving into the scores table and banging yourself up game one in a game that you're going to win by double digits against the Boston Celtics. Like Brett Brown has to do a great job of load management, not just for Joe, but for all these guys, because you have enough talent to get away with it. And your goal is to play four series in the summer and be able to win all four. So you got to, Brett Brown's going to be smart about when he rests these guys. And every time he does it, every time Joe sits, there's going to be people complaining, saying they should be playing and they should be in better shape and all this shit. And say from Ben, Al, Toby, any of these guys when they sit, we got to keep in mind our goal is not regular season wins, it's championship basketball. And to do that, you got to rest some of these guys. So I love the fight in Joe. Just got to make sure that Brett Brown is doing a good job of managing these guys' playing time. So we're fresh when the NBA playoffs come around. Did I stutter? He'll get there. I they, This team has every capability to win 
a championship this year once they make the playoffs. They got the coach, Brett Brown's experience, and I at least like to think he knows what he's doing. They got the roster. They got the GM who knows how to make good moves. They got the defense, and they're working on the offense to complement that as well. So it's finals or bust. That's the way this team is. No doubt at all. So that's that's our Sixers stuff. We're going to have a bunch of talk about them year-round because they're going to be our saving grace here in Philadelphia, it appears. But speaking of saving graces, we may have gotten another one this morning. On the way into the studio today, I heard some breaking news. Uh, on the radio, and uh, the Phillies got their guy. We already talked about it a little bit earlier. Joe Girardi is going to be the new manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. His press conference is going to be Monday. Joe Girardi, of course, former manager of the New York Yankees. Uh, he won a World Series with the Yankees. He won three as a player, and he was a great catcher when he played ball. So not only was he a great ball player, the catcher is a unique position, not that I have to go a long way to explain that Joe Girardi is a great manager because we know that from his track record. But the catcher is the only player on the position, player on the position, player on the field that knows how to handle pitching, hitting, and defensive alignment. They handle all of that. They're the brains behind all of that. So he's just so, so cerebrally smart when it comes to baseball. He's also proven that he can be a leader of men. He can hold his players accountable, and he has that fire in him. Some people thought that Gabe Kapler lacked a great hire for the Phillies, in my opinion. I don't know what you think about it, Matt. Oh, I love it, man. How much would you have ripped your hair out had they gotten Buck Showalter? So, the problem with Buck, he's not a terrible manager. He's been all right other places. It's not like Buck Showalter would destroy the Phillies. Buck Showalter isn't going to help us. There is one guy out there that was going to help this team that was available. I think Joe Madden could have helped us as well. But, I mean, Joe Girardi's proven success in one of the toughest places to manage. He's used to dealing with a bigger market, like Bucks Ben places with scrutiny, but New York is a king of sports scrutiny, and the manager of the Yankees is really high up there on the list of people scrutinizing that city. So he knows how to handle the media. He'll handle it much better than Gabe does. Like, Buck wasn't going to destroy the Phillies again, but he... He wasn't the answer. He wasn't the help. And I think Girardi absolutely could be. He's a guy who's been there before. Yeah, Girardi's just absolutely terrific. Anyway, uh, we have a little bit of announcement. (laughs) Do you hear that? Yeah, what the hell is that? Yeah, what was that? That hurt. That's Kevin. (laughs) He just came in. (laughs) Is he making that noise with his mouth or does he have a whistle? I got my whistle with me. Dog. Why do you have a whistle? I was refing dodgeball. Anyway, dude, like, fix the camera. We got to let the audience at home uh, see this. Anyway, hit. Please tell me he's in, like, a referee's outfit. I he's am. in a referee outfit. Also, Kev, oh, uh, hit that transition button as well on the video monitor. Transition? <laughs> yeah. Right. We picked the worst day to not be in studio. Uh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hit that transition button. Now the audience at home can see your, uh, your beautiful oh. referee outfit from Club Air. Looking. Somebody take a picture for me and Kyle. Yeah, yeah, throw that up. We'll have to get it on the Twitter and the Instagram. We will. Our little right. referee. Great yeah. idea, man. Uh, I'm proud of you making it in, Kev, even after repping at Club Air. Um, <laughs> so you were saying about Girardi, Nat? So Girardi has a terrific record. Uh, over 1,700 games that he's managed. 988 794 record for a .554 win percentage, which means once he manages the Phillies, he's going to get his 1,000th win as a manager. Um, supposedly, oh, we he, hope he's going to get his 1,000th Well, assuming the Phillies are going to get 12 wins out of a 160-plus game regular season. Um, fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah, he gets that 1,000th win one way or the other. Um, supposedly, he had a problem uh, his first year as a, as a manager when he was with the Marlins, but he won... Uh, manager of the year that year uh, he just thought he had too much power down there and like he wanted like coach's salary set a different way he ha- thought he wanted full control of the 25 man makeup but that was back in 2006 and that was coming from the Marlins president at the times it's been 13 years later the dude yeah, has won dude. his World Series ring uh, as a coach this guy can do it again for the Phillies and I want that aggressive coach that Kapler wasn't necessarily willing to be. Yeah, dude, look at it. Look at our so look at our front office. Clintac, McPhail, our other coaches. Like if Joe Girardi wants full control, take full control, Joe. 
He's probably the smartest guy in that building, everyone included. Exactly. I, I mean, he, I have the m- most faith in him. I don't have any more faith in McPhail or Contact because per reports, they exactly, because Joe Walter didn't really even not that they didn't want Girardi because how could you not? But they but probably they thought that Girardi wanted more control than they had, and it's yeah. like guys, like you failed with Cap. Take a chance on Girardi. Take a chance on this aggressive guy. Like, yeah, what's absolutely. the worst so you have to, to lose? Control, he can have it. He can have control of the Philadelphia Phillies. I trust Joe Girardi. I mean, he's the most trustworthy manager we've had since Charlotte. Not Ryan Sandberg or Gabe Kapler. Those guys had no idea what they were doing. They weren't winners. They hadn't been somewhere that they had won. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's – you're bringing in the first manager in a while – that knows what it takes to really, really win and have sustained success at this level. It's a great thing for the Phillies. Uh, We'll listen to his press conference on Monday and see if there's anything we have to talk about in there. Right now, it's a little bit of excitement that you can raise looking forward to this next Phillies season, knowing that now we have a direction for this team and a guy we can get behind that we trust at the helm. I mean, do we even want to do Eagles talk with all this good stuff going on? Do you have time for that? Uh, I'm about to walk into the bar in like 10 minutes. Uh, I, I should be all right. I'm not going to get fired for being like 10 minutes late. Well, okay. Okay. I think we're we... going to do for Eagles talk real quick. I need two minutes. Okay. Secondary sucks. Yep. Defensive line, no pressure. Offensive line needs to step up. Carson isn't the problem. Trade Nelson Aguilar. Trade Alshon Jeffrey. Fire Mike Rowe. Potentially fire Jim Schwartz. If we lose to the Cowboys another goddamn time, I'm going to jump off the Ben Franklin Bridge. It was just garbage. I, the Eagles are dead to me. The 2019 Eagles are dead to me because at the end of the day, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying the team can't win a playoff game. I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. They may. They very well may. They've got an easy schedule in December. they got a pretty advantageous schedule the rest of the way. Bottom line is when they get the playoffs, they don't have the talent, the coaching, or the will to compete with these other top NFC teams. They're not a Super Bowl team this year. On to the next one. They're dead to me. I'll still watch. I'll be happy if they win. I'll still root for them because I didn't think they were going to win the Super Bowl when Carson went down. I did not say they were dead to me because there's always a chance there. But 2019 Eagles season, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, for me, is over. I'm going to enjoy it when they win, but the team doesn't have it. we got a lot of looking in the mirror to do. Got a lot of stuff to figure out this offseason with aging roster. That's where the Eagles stand. It's pretty depressing. Thank God the Sixers are here to save us. Thank God we got Joe Girardi. Thank God the Flyers are at least going to be around 500 or better this year and hopefully give us a playoff game or two. But Yeah, really. Jeez, the Eagles are garbage. You blew it! Yeah, I mean, Alex. Exactly a minute and 30 seconds. I was counting. Perfect. All anyway. the money. All right, boys. Um, I've vented enough and I got my pieces out about the only teams in Philadelphia sports that well the only team in Philadelphia sports that really matters right now which is the Sixers but uh that's 10 9 8 baby 10 9 8 you guys could do the Joker talk and everything um and if you guys need me or anything I'll be at the bar serving drinks to uh it's not another Latin night like last time ah that's unfortunate it's a slow show so I can watch uh, which there were no nude there were no nude Latin dancers I feel bad for you oh I missed the talk it was really nothing special, according to Connor. So, oh, that's sad. No, nothing, nothing special. Just a bunch of people who spoke Spanish that wanted to order alcohol. Oh, exactly like you'd expect. All right, guys, I gotta go bartend. You guys take it easy. All right, all right, man. Later, bro. Thanks take for calling easy. in. Yep. Anyway, before we move on to uh, Joker Top, I got I, I got to vent a little bit about the Eagles. Up, I wasn't too mad because I was watching with my girlfriend. Hi, Megan. Uh, you're awesome. So she kept me from uh, having a rage and do stroke. Um, but did either of you guys see that game at all? Particularly the highlight, what people are calling alligator arms Aguilar. No, I no, but I've got a good picture in my mind. So, are you? <laughs> let me guess. You're actually picturing Nelson Aguilar or any eagle for that matter with actual alligator arms, aren't you? Is that it? No, I mean I know what it, I know what the phrase is. Like you know he. His arms just went up and down, and he tried to catch the ball like that, right? Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you now you know what I'm talking about, right, Kev? I know Kev? what you're talking about. Yeah. So he was right there. Um, you could The only argument that I can see where you can defend Nelson Aguilar in any sense of the word is that you can 
the only argument I can think of, you can say, oh, if Carson Wentz threw it a quarter second or a half second slower form, like which is a bullshit argument. It's because let's say that were the case, Nelson should, should have had the hustle and he probably still would have found some sort of excuse to not catch it. It was easier to catch than what the original highlight made it out to be. And he said the ball was already out of position, which is why he alligator armed it. But it's like, dude, you could have made that catch. All you do was keep your arms extended and you had a chance to catch it, man. Like, come on. If I can stop you real quick, um, a little off topic. Kev, have you heard the new Big Booty? The, wait, what? There's Big Booty 16 out. And, oh. Um, I think it's uh, it's got to be like 31 minutes in. But they always do these little, like, um, they do like little phrases. Or yeah. Do you want to explain what Big Booty 16 is? It's this mix. It's a uh, it's a it's an hour long mix, like a power hour kind of thing. Is that your mix? And, uh, no, 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 no. Very, very talented two guys from Penn State do it. But at like thirty one minutes or so, it goes. They plays the clip of the guys like, and we was catching them on like Aguilar, and then a massive drop, and it's uh, so, it's so on like Aguilar. Yo, that's good. <laughs> that is great. I, I my brother told me that Big Booty sixteen dropped, but I didn't even listen to it yet. I need to listen to Honestly, it. Honestly, not my favorite, but it's good. Fifteen's still my favorite. You know what would be awesome? 15. If the big booty mix guys made a big booty mix specifically for Jetropod. How awesome would that be? Can we get that? These guys are a little famous, but we can, nah, we nah, can nah. Or something maybe. We're 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 a little famous. We can try. <laughs> we can try, man. We can try. Oh, man. Anyway, back to Nelson Aguilar and uh, Alligator Arms Aguilar. Uh, an actual alligator would, would catch that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we deserve better. Someone also said uh, he lobster-handed. A lobster would be better. A lobster would catch that football. Come on. Ball was out of position. You know what I'd say about that, Nelson? About how the ball was already out of position? Shut the fuck up. That's what I have oh to say. Oh, my God. Filthy Frank. Yep. Dude, I downloaded so many Filthy Frank sound Dude. effects we can use for the show. There's uh, his Born in the Wrong Generation video. There was like oh 10 God. sound clips I got from that. So good. Just shut the hell up. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, I downloaded so many sound effects from that video. Anyway, which is also a good transition into my Flyers news talk. Ooh, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> and that's it. That's what I got for Flyers news. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, they got, <laughs> All right. well, the name of this, well, here, the name of my new flyer segment is this. Ooh, nobody gives a shit. Oh, okay. That's the name of my segment now. Oh, I <laughs> thought. Every time I talk about flyers news, like everyone just goes to their phones and nobody listens. Nah, so nah. I figured you look and you stare at photos of stock women. When was the like, last time I did that? Two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. That means last time I paid attention. <laughs> and I'm going to pay attention for this one. Also, did you steal my pen? Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm confused on why there was a pen here. Because I was using that for my notes. Why do you have a pen when you don't have any notes over there? Because it was right here. You left it over here. I'm, ju- I'm joking. I'm just busting your balls. I know. That was actually my B. So. Your pen's messed up either way. No, it's not. That's a good pen. What is that? What is that? The that's, little a pen good, clip? that's a good looking pen. What's up, before? I said, you see what happens when Connor's not here? We start talking about pens. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk for Flyer. I'll talk Flyers news for a little bit, and then we'll get to our Joker reviews. So, okay. for Flyers news, um, coming off a big win against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, they won six two. They got like five unanswered goals. Like, oh my god, they were just on fire. That was their biggest game they've had since I would say the Prague game or even the uh, the home opener they had, where they shut out. The Devils, they needed a win like that because they were coming off a four-game losing streak, and that last loss was against a really bad Dallas Stars team. They're in Chicago tonight. Chicago wants revenge for that Prague-Czech Republic game. So uh, do I think Chicago can beat them? Yeah, because I think they want revenge bad enough where they can beat the Flyers. I still have the Flyers covering the spread. Right now they're plus one and a half, but... If we're doing any kind of Jetro lock, I might want to say we probably want to go Chicago money line. But for me, my personal lock, if you guys want to trust my hockey lock, I would go Flyers plus one and a half to cover the spread. Very wise. So if that's just me. And speaking of hockey locks, 
we won our last Jetro lock, but just barely. We had Vegas Moneyline, and they just barely won in the shootout against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so if you bet on Vegas Moneyline, you won some money on that. But we probably will not bet on Vegas again anytime soon if it came to a shootout against the Ottawa Senators, one of the worst teams in the NHL in recent history. And this Vegas team has been struggling, so we're probably not going to put any more money on them anytime soon. But we're glad we won you guys some money out there. So give yourselves a round of applause. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Yay! All right, and that was... All right, so we have promised you guys a review of Joker. We gave you guys an extra week to watch it. Spoilers ahead. This is your one and only warning. I cannot stress this enough. All of our reviews will have spoilers in them. That is your one and only disclaimer. Now we will proceed. Me, Kev, and B4 all watched it. Uh, Kev, I heard your opinion last time. B4, I have yet to hear yours. So, Kevin, why don't we start with uh, your review of the movie? I was going to say we wait till we wait for the end for mine because I feel you like you wait till the end. No, no, wait till after like you guys talk about it. Okay. Um because I want to hear both of your opinions and because mine's probably the opposite. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with B Ford then. B Ford, what did you think of Joker? Okay. I thought it was a great movie. First off, I just want to say I liked it. I do understand the point of why it makes people want to, you know, go commit murder because that movie was really weird and when i was on my way home dude i was like i was freaking out a little bit i was like what the fuck did i just watch but there was a lot of parts where it was like you, was it me or like did you guys feel bad for him i think that yeah i felt bad for him i think that was part of the point sort of yeah that was yeah i mean yeah so Part of the point was like you want to feel bad for him. It was it was just like, cringy. understand why he became the Joker, and I think they did a really good job of that. But it almost I also wanted to see more of him as the actual Joker, kind of. Yes. You know what I mean? I feel you on that. Absolutely, like, yeah. It was like one big build up, and then it was kind of done. Yeah, because at least the way I don't think the movie was advertised as such that you see like the Joker in his. Uh, traditional like Joker forms, you know what I mean. So I didn't feel cheated in any way, shape, or form about that. But I understand where you're coming from, where you wish you would have seen more of him as Joker as opposed to him becoming Joker. Um, yeah. For me personally, I, I also, what's up? I also wanted to see more of him as like, like a mad genius kind of. Like I remember, I don't exactly remember which Batman it was—the one where he blew up the hospital. Heath, uh, Dark Knight. That's like my favorite Joker scene ever. I love that when he's walking away. He's just like fucking nuts, but he, you know, he got the job done. Yeah. This guy just seems more like he's just fucking crazy, and everything's going bad for him. Yeah, I agree with that. See, I agree with you for the most part, Brennan. But I actually love that they took a different direction with it. See, I love. Heath Ledger's Joker, Agent of Chaos. I love Mark Hamill's Joker in the animated series and, of course, the uh, the famous Batman Arkham Asylum video game series. I love Mark Hamill as Joker there because you kind of get this blend of how he was in the cartoon series and of how he was in Dark Knight. So you get beautiful, murderous chaos. Man, that came out wrong, but you get the idea. <laughs> um, so, But I love, even though I love those Jokers, I was so happy I did not see the same rendition of Joker that we usually get. So I love that we got to see a new Joker. Maybe that was like my like ignorance because I, I don't really know the other Jokers. But the whole dance thing, like that little dance that he's been doing, is that new? Yes. That is that is That's 100% new. Joker? Yeah. That's only with this Joker. Okay. I don't know. Are you guys? I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, so I guess I'll give my opinion now okay. because it basically in lines with that where <clears throat> I didn't like the movie. Okay. I, um, don't it's, get, like, don't get me wrong. It's okay to be it wrong. The, oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. Like Joaquin Phoenix did a fantastic job, like getting the laugh down. Like he did a, he did a great job portraying the Joker, 
Um, granted, it wasn't traditional, so I and I could I understand and appreciate the different take, but I just thought the writing wasn't as great as it should have been. The first forty-five minutes of the movie were so slow and so anti. I, I agree. With that. It was it was just it was a slow build to something that really didn't feel like a climax. So, like, there's a lot of side plots that they veer off to explain how he's starting to lose his mind, but you already know that he's losing his mind. So why do they have to go and spend so much time on some of these side stories? The, the whole him talking to that girl in his apartment, why was that a thing? That was 20 that, minutes. I thought that was great. That really took me for a loop. I did not expect the whole thing to be made up. See, yeah, I'm with B Ford on this one. I actually like that a lot. I just, I, I didn't like it. It just, it, it just, it, they spent so much time with it. Uh, like, what I mean is they spent too much time with it. I thought if 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 they did less time with her, not not to say that it wasn't like a great like oh shit that's made up. It just it felt dragged out. Like the 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 whole first part or first act just felt so dragged out. No. If I could disagree with you there for a second, I think they did it almost the perfect amount. Maybe a little much, but I think they needed that time to show you, like, to really drag you in, to really like make you feel like, oh, this is this is real for them to turn around and be like, all fake. See, I think if they cut back about five or ten minutes of just the whole first act, they threw that ten minutes onto the end where he show a little more of him, Joker. I feel like that would have been a better balance, which I know it's supposed to be an origin story, but even then they didn't really explore too much of his history. They sort of just yeah. hinted at... But most movies don't. And I, I completely get that, but the, the, the premise of this movie is an origin story. So if you're, having an or, like if you're making an origin story movie but don't go too in-depth about the origin, then it's not an origin story. See, but I thought what they did go in-depth with was the perfect length to see him become Joker. Yeah. I didn't think it was overblown or overdrawn yeah. in any way, shape, or form. And so I actually kind of have to praise them for it, for not dragging it out too much. I see where you're coming from, where the first act was kind of slow, yeah. but it wasn't too slow to the point where I was disinterested in the movie. Like right from I, the get, I was invested in the movie. And I went in this movie with no expectations. I yeah. didn't expect this to be a comic book movie or anything like that. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting to see like a traditional like Batman villain Joker. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this origin story of Joker uh, from beginning to end. There was actually only one change that I would make, and it's not even a huge change. The only thing that I would do differently is I wish they would. It kind of goes into what you're talking about about the origin. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish they would have explored his connection with Thomas Wayne a little bit more because when they first introduced the idea that Batman's dad I, yeah, could I also bring that up. I said I was also going to bring that up. That, that really that was really interesting to me. Yeah, I thought when they first introduced the idea that Batman's dad could be Joker's dad, I shit my pants at that moment like I, holy me too. shit. That, that actually like there there was a there are a few good moments in this movie. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. And understandable, yeah. Um, no, yeah. So I thought that right when they said that, I was like, oh, should I believe this? I'm like, well, there must be, like, I mean, has he always been like that? Like, I, there must be, like, something that I missed. Yeah. And, like, well, and, and that's why I was hoping they would have explored the, the past a little bit. Like, ex like showed him when he was a little kid. And, like, when, the, the, when he found, like, went and read his records, like, how he was abused and shit. Like, I kind of wish they kind of talked a little more about that. And sort of like ex like explore just more things that made him who he is, instead of just what he was doing day to day. Does that make sense? Yeah, I kind of yeah I kind of understand where Kevin's coming from. It seemed like they focused on a lot of stuff that didn't really need to be focused on, and the parts that were really impactful, they kind of just skimmed over. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I can see that. Uh, the only way that I felt cheated was when he's in the bathroom with Thomas Wayne and yes. he says like, Oh, I'm not your dad. Your mom's just insane. And then he goes to the asylum and then like, you see like his true history and like, I guess his a true origin there. Mm -hmm. Cause to me, when, 
once they introduced that idea that Thomas Wayne could be Joker's dad, and then he sees the records, to me it was almost like they retconned it like within the movie. And I'm like, okay, I felt a little bit cheated there, but then yeah. again, like maybe I'm supposed to feel that way because that's how Joker felt. So right, I understand why they made the decision they did. Uh, even though I would have done it differently, that choice was still justified in my opinion. So I got to give this movie a 9 out of 10 if I have to grade it. Now, are you saying you wanted, like, a cliffhanger? Like, you wanted it to be, like, you know, there's a good possibility that the, that uh, Thomas Wayne could be Joker's dad? I don't want to say that. No, I don't think they should have made it a cliffhanger whatsoever. I think they just should have explored that idea a bit more. And the way I probably would have made the changes uh, in any way, shape, or form to that movie, I actually would have had Thomas Wayne as Joker's biological dad. Because then I think that would add something, a whole new, deeper, darker element to the Batman universe. That definitely would. I also, I kind of, I think the only thing I would change would be the climax. I I think the the climax being, like, the talk show. Like, when he's on the show. Right. I would would change that. I would make it... Dude, I I love that scene. I did, but... No, no, I love that scene, but that should not have been the climax. I feel like there should have been something more impactful than that for a climax. See, would you consider that the climax, or would you consider, like, remember when he he's, like, getting ready for the show, and the two clowns that he used to work with came in? Yeah. Like, could that be considered the climax? No. I, I, I don't know, because there's too much rising action in between that in order to consider that seeing the climax. Although, before, now that you mentioned that, that was probably my favorite scene in the movie. The rising action? The, like, w- when the two clowns come back into yes, his apartment. Like, that was my favorite scene. The big guy and the little so guy. So good. That was the best scene in the movie. So good. Mostly because, like, it was the freakiest. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. He kills that one guy. And then the little guy tries escape. He's like, you can go, man. He's freaking out. And he can't reach Dude, the chain at the top. I shit my pants in that moment. Like, no, do, no, don't do this. Dude. Don't kill him, please. I was yeah, begging. You know what? Now that, you guys say that, that was such a good scene. See, that might be my favorite, too. There yeah. was so much, like, I think I was holding my breath the whole time. Oh, I, I was like, gonna oh, he's going to die. He's going to kill him. Man, I've, it's been a while since... Um, I've watched a movie scene and it had that effect on me. I'm like, no, no, don't, yeah. no. Thank no. God like, he didn't. I man, I probably would have walked out right then and there had he killed him. See, I and again, like I thought that was great. I thought the scene with Robert De Niro at the like that whole scene. I thought that was a great scene, but I felt like there should have been something bigger. Like when he's in the streets and like there's chaos going all around. I feel like he like there. I feel like he should have done something grand there. Grant like what? Grant like, as in, because that's when he's at like the Joker. That's when he's the Joker. Okay. I feel like when he killed those two people, like or two people, when he killed the the person in his apartment, when he shot Robert De Niro, he it, like something snapped at him. So I I was thinking like, oh, this is it. Like he's just gonna go on a killing spree. Like that sounds messed up for me to say. But I feel like something... I don't think I would have liked that as a, as a climax not, well, or not, a resolution. Well, not a killing spree. Not a killing spree. But just, like, something grand. Like him, like, graffitiing something on the wall of his smile or something. You know what I almost wish? I'm, I'm glad they did not do this in the movie, but I kind of wanted to see. Almost like a what if. What would happen if he didn't kill his mom and his mom watched him be that that agent of chaos you know that that would have been good well and like that's what i'm thinking of his agent of chaos like where every single iteration of joker he's been a genius and he planned everything out but this joker like before it said like he's just crazy like it's a completely different thing and i maybe maybe my brain is thinking oh they, you know i don't know i see where you're coming from with that but to me like i it's more of a what-if movie than anything else. And all things considering, I love the direction of the film. I love the decisions that were made for the most part with the writing. I, I'm with yeah. you that it wasn't the best script in the world. Mm-hmm. But overall, it wasn't terrible by any means. Like, was, you would agree with that, right? Oh, I, I could agree with that. It was still pretty to look at. Uh, like Joaquin Phoenix like did not disappoint. He nailed, his, like, he nailed it. 
the scenes where we I, do more imagine him as the joke, they were riveting enough where I believed it. Um, I kind of like the what if Joker because the Joker before where he's like a mad genius, a lot of things you can kind of just be like, all right, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But with the, you know, the whole crazy what if, it's kind of just like, oh, this is just happening and there's nothing. Like, there was no, it's never like a, yeah, I guess that could happen. I guess he planned that out. I guess he did all of that beforehand. This is kind of just like, oh, he's just doing it right now and we're watching it. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, like you said, the, this Joker is just, all right, let's go do something. Like he, like, it seems like he just, he just, act, he, it's an impulse. Like it's just his go-to, like, you know what, let's do something. Whereas the previous Jokers, it's been plan A, plan B, plan C. Yeah, that's probably another criticism that I can bring up with this movie and his, uh, the characterization that the writers made because it is more so, I can see the argument where they did delve too much into Joker's mental health to the point where it wasn't believable. I mean, there there were some points where I thought they were trying to make it this meme. There were points where I thought they took it in that direction a little bit too far, but overall, I liked to see that in this movie um, as a whole, even though it did go a little bit uh, too far, and it was at points that you brought up, Kev, uh, cringeworthy. It was only like that at points. Yeah. It wasn't like that throughout the whole thing, and that's what kept me invested in the movie. Well, and it like the hardest part to watch that was just so bad it hurt was his stand-up scene, which it's supposed to feel that way. But it hurt so much watching that because you just you could only feel like it made you feel now, like this is a movie that made you feel. Uh, I have a question. Uh, maybe I'm just not remembering it, but uh, the stand up when the people were laughing, was that in his head or was he actually did he actually get a laugh out of it? No, that was in his head. That was in I'm his head. pretty I'm pretty sure. Because when they showed the replay of it, nobody was laughing. Nobody was laughing, but the audience was laughing at the game show host. Yeah. And the jokes he was making about okay. it. You want to hear something that was... It's not fucked up about the movie itself, but it's fucked up about my experience of it. Oh, no. Tell us. Just take a guess. About the comedian? Like the stand-up scene? No, 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 no. Are, about... you, are you saying you're a comedian? No. Well, okay. You want a <laughs> funny story about that. I did a... A stand-up comedy puppet show in college. Oh God! For my that was my senior that was my senior project. Yeah. Wow. So I bas- I basically did a Jeff Dunham uh, stand-up style you show. You could be the Joker. Next. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm crazy. I can relate to the Joker in every way possible. No, <laughs> definitely not. No, I'm crazy, but not that crazy. Yeah. No. We all got a little bit of crazy in us. We all do. Yeah. I mean, if you deny you're crazy, that means you're crazy. So. Yeah. Uh, anywho, what were you saying? So, my experience with the movie, my girlfriend really wanted to see. She was like, "You want to go see Joker?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I want to go see Joker." So we go to her local movie theater. That was the first movie we ever watched together as a couple. Just a murderous Joker. Murderous Joker Not rampage. Murderous. Uh, there is like six deaths. It's beautiful. It's it's a. I always thought my life was a tragedy, but now I realized it's a comedy. <laughs> That's that's a great fucking line right there. Yeah, I love that line. I uh, actually another slight little touch that I thought was fantastic was uh, anytime he would say Murray, he would put extra emphasis on the Ray, like Murray. I didn't catch. Did you that. notice that? I did not notice every that. single time he would say Murray, he would be like Murray. I love because it was kind of annoying. He was the game show host, right? Yeah. I love how Murray was Robert De Niro. Yeah, taxi driver. Yep. Although, you know what? Little what, homage. You know what's super odd? That's one of the only Robert De Niro movies where I see him, and I don't think of him as Robert De Niro. Yeah, you know that is true. That is true. I made this argument the other day where I think that's one of his best movies, and it's uh, like, hear me out. I have to say that's one of his best movies, or is one of his best roles, because I don't see him as Robert De Niro in it. Robert De Niro's been in a few good movies. Yeah, only a few. I mean... He's only been um, in, he's only been in Godfather two, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. Yeah, a lot of great movies. Meet the Parents, only a couple. Sorry, only a couple okay. of good movies. Out of all the movies in the world, it, it's like a few. But no, he's been in a no, lot. No, you're of right. Great you're movies. right. You're right. Can can you not? He's an Eagle supporter, okay? And uh, because of Silver Linings Playbook. Yes. 
I'm not so sure he's actually a fan of the Philadelphia know. Eagles, though. I just like, I don't know. I was just making a joke. Bradley Cooper is because he's from oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So is uh, David Boreanaz. Yeah. Shout out Bradley Cooper. We're going way off track here. We are, we are, we are. Yeah, well, is this a good time to wrap it up, boys? Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's give our Joker ratings out of 10. Matt, you already gave yours. I gave it a 9. I, I got to give it an 8. Okay. I liked it, but, you know, there was a lot of stuff that uh, I might change. I'll give it a 7. You give it a seven. Okay, I'll so, give it a seven. so you liked it for the most part. Then. I, we, swayed, we swayed Kevin a little. For for the most part, like don't like I, I did like the movie. Just there were a few moments that I thought could have been better. Like every a, a lot of the news is talking about how it could be political and whatnot. It's just I don't care about any of that. I, just the writing itself and just the 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 not this. Well, I guess it kind of falls into that, but just it was okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So overall average review, 8 out of 10 for us. So we recommend it for the most part. For the most part, yeah. It is something to definitely watch. I think it's a must watch if for any DC fans. 100%. Even if you're not a comic book person, whatever, it's just an overall great movie. It's, yeah, it, it, well, it's, it's almost, again, I, I made this reference earlier, it's like Taxi Driver. Where you'd go in not really expecting much, and you'd kind of get something beautiful. Also, I love how you brought up Taxi Driver multiple times in this. Yes. I love Taxi Driver. Multiple times. That's one of my favorite movies, too. I, yeah. Well, I watched it recently. That's, that's why. Did, did you love it? I thought it was, I thought it was good. B, I, B Ford, have you seen Taxi Driver? Yeah. So thanks for joining us today, guys. <laughs> 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 no, I've never seen it. It's, it's basically the Joker. Um. The OG Joker. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. Even it, though he only kills two people. Actually, no, how many people? No, he... He kills like four people four, in that movie, but three two, are at the very end. Two, three. Because he kills... Oh, what's that guy's name? Harvey something. Dent. No, not Harvey, Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. It's Harvey something. What's that guy's name? He's in Reservoir Dogs. Harvey Keitel. That's his name. So he kills Harvey Keitel at the end. Then he kills two more people who were trying to... Uh, I guess assault Jodie Foster in that movie. Yeah. And then he kills that that one guy who robs the convenience store in the beginning. So he that, only kills like four okay. people. That's what I was thinking of. I was you said four and I was thinking of the the four or first one. I couldn't think of the first one cuz I knew he, he killed three people in that apartment. The first one you can say he shot him in self defense. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or at least in defense of the guy who re- owned the convenience store, but that's one of my favorite movies. Strange, yeah. It's not what I was expecting. I don't think it's what anybody expects. Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, man, what a freaky-ass movie. Another freaky movie is uh, Falling Down. It's like Taxi Driver on crack. Oh, crack is a hell of a drug. Yes, it is. It must be a hell of a movie, then. It is a hell of a movie. <laughs> it is wild. You know what's even more wild about that? The guy who directed Batman and Robin made that. Wait, Batman and Robin, like... With George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, as Mr. Freeze. I thought that was... Um... Not Batman and Robin. I thought that was something else. No, never, never mind. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, the wow. guy, the guy who made Batman and Robin did Falling Down. Which Falling Down, despite being made by Joel Schumacher, Falling Down's a great movie. I highly recommend that. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, depending on how the Eagles do this week against the Buffalo Bills, we might not want to talk about that because we uh, don't want to have a heart attacks mid-show. Uh, so I'm going to create a little bit of a game for us. We, it might be Mount Rushmore style. It might not be, depending on how long the conversation goes for. So you'll guys see what I have next time if the Eagles oh, lose. Boy. So we'll save you guys reliving the disappointment of uh, the Eagles loss, assuming they are going to lose. And uh, we will leave it at that. Uh, meanwhile, guys, we got a lot of great sports news coming up. There is uh, the World Series going on right now. There's the Philadelphia Union who are, are in the playoffs right now. We got 76ers basketball back. We got Philadelphia Flyers hockey back. But right now, I'm all basketball right now. Great win for the 76ers. So I'm going to play us out with some 10-9-8 76ers, boys. Let's go. Play the song. Here we go. Is going to get copyrighted? Ah, who cares? We're not making money off this. We haven't been kicked off yet, so... 19 episodes in, episode 20 next week. All right, guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of Jetropod. 
We'll see you next time. Talk to you.